The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In the past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Welcome to The Career Confidant, and thank you for joining us today. We are here to give you the tools and, and resources that you need to make yourself a better employee, better leader, take control of your own career path, whether that means moving up where you are or moving out on your own. Today we're going to be talking about a perhaps relevant, timely topic in terms of leadership. And leadership is a challenge in that a lot of us who may not be in quote-unquote leadership roles don't often think of ourselves as leaders. But of course we know that if we want to get additional responsibilities, even if it doesn't mean moving up into a quote-unquote management role, we have to have some leadership traits and be able to lead where we are, lead ourselves, be seen as as a, a leader among our peers to win those opportunities that we really want, no matter what they look like. So, as we think about ourselves being a, a good leader, and perhaps we're thinking about moving to another company, or even um, we're unemployed and, and need to be searching for a job, leadership traits and leadership skills help us in all of those efforts. So today we're going to be talking about a, a rather timely leadership topic in terms of diversity and being able to lead diversity to be un, to be culturally aware perhaps in how we lead others and to understand the biases that impact our ability to be a good leader of whoever it is that we are interacting with customers coworkers or perhaps a so if you're a supervisor some some direct and indirect reports if you're actually a manager. So why is this so important? What are the reasons that, that we need diversity? Because I think sometimes we can get caught up in thinking that it's all about being cool or being um, being seen as, as a good person. And those might be good reasons to be culturally aware and to be a good leader in terms of leading a diverse team. But there are some very tangible business benefits to being good with diversity. So in the you know recent past or maybe further back in the past, 
there was the idea of affirmative action where people maybe had a goal in terms of women or minorities. And most of that has gone away, partially because we realize that diversity is important for for many more reasons and that diversity means a lot of, of different things, some of which we can measure and some of which we can't. So why do we care about diversity? The first one, of course, is just that our teams are going to be diverse whether we want it or not. Unless we happen to live in a bubble, we're going to naturally have diversity on our team and need to be able to handle that, to, to lead a diverse team and to be able to bring a group of diverse people together. The other is perhaps a little bit more business focused that innovation in and of itself is doing something different or building on something different to to achieve a new process using a, a new method to solve a problem. Innovation requires some kind of, of new thinking or ability to apply new ideas. It requires something new. And if we are only hiring people who are like us, or if we only listen to people who are like us, in time, we will not have any innovation. We'll be trying to do the same things over and over again and get different results, which of course we know is the definition of insanity. So to be able to do new things, to to be able to be effective as an employee and as a leader, we have to be open to new ideas, which are going to come from having some kind of diversity on our team, although it may not always be the type of diversity that people are talking about when they talk about affirmative action and inclusion and all of those important things. Diversity of thought, diversity of opinion, diversity of background, perspective, all of those types of diversity are going to be important when we go to to create innovation in our team, in our in our company, in our sector, in our industry. If we want to be a leader in that industry, it's going to require some innovation, and that innovation is going to require that diversity of thought. And on the whole, if we only have people on our team that look like us, are are our same age, etc., we're not going to be able to have that diversity of thought that we need. The other reason for diversity, of course, is, is that we want to have some kind of succession plan. We want to have new leaders that we're growing. We want to be able to grow our, our people. And if all of our people are are like us, they're going to need the same things out of work. For instance, if they're all the same age, it may be hard to grow someone because everyone's happy where they are or already looking for retirement or everybody's young and has the same amount of experience. Whatever it might be that gets in our way, if we're really trying to build a team that has different strengths and, and different interests, as well as different flexibilities in terms of, of how they work and and where they're looking to go with their career, we're going to have some diversity on that team. I've been working with a few different organizations recently who are 
interested in, in coaching up new leaders and find it interesting that in almost all of these organizations, there are some struggles with diversity leadership coming from the top. Interestingly enough, even in a, in a global company where the managers come from different countries, they still tend to have the same issue of hiring people who are like them in certain ways, whether that be age or philosophy or experience, and they end up turning off certain populations of their team because their inability to recognize where they are falling short, where they're pushing the entire team to to be like them. And in the extreme of that situation, have you been one organization whose leaders repeatedly tell upcoming leaders that to be successful in an organization, they have to be the a pretty specific way in that organization. It's pretty stereotypical white male leader, what you would consider of a CEO or a CFO in a very traditional, big, huge business that look and feel not necessarily white male, but that that archetype of always professional, always in a suit, always um, knows exactly what to say, never smiles, never laughs. God forbid you have a personality. This organization's leaders all share that same outlook and to be successful in that organization there they are clear with others that that is how they need to be when they are working within the organization and of course there's some good things and some bad things to that so thinking about diversity what does diversity actually mean so in its broadest sense different backgrounds and perspectives bring those new ways of ideas knowledge, new ways of doing things. So teams with all the same background can get kind of narrow. And when you get a little broader, you get more perspectives, approaches, a different knowledge base that people can come together and create a a different way of doing things and a different way of going about things. So interestingly enough, there's some hiring practices specifically that get in the way of of diversity. One of them is this idea of fit. When most companies think about fit, they're going to automatically think of people who are like them. People that they would hang out with on a regular basis are going to be probably pretty similar to them unless they've really gone through some of the processes that we're going to talk about in this show here a little bit later today. And so you get this idea of, well, we're hiring for fit, but what is fit? What do you mean by that? Because if you don't define that, what happens is that you end up hiring a lot of people who look like you. For example, one company that we won't call them out by name, but one company hires for fit. In fact, one of their main questions an interviewer is supposed to ask themselves after an interview is, would you want to spend 
a weekend with this person? Would you want to go away to a company retreat and, and have to spend the weekend with this person? Most of the time, when you think about the answer to that question, it's going to perpetuate you wanting to hire people who are, are like you. We tend to be more comfortable with people who are like us, who are from the same areas, from the same background. And so you don't get much diversity. In this company, they had a goal to diversify their their hiring and have struggled and struggled and struggled to reach that goal to be more diverse. They, their company continually hiring new classes of, or, of individuals that are, are still the same because of this idea and they haven't really dug in deep enough to understand what they mean by fit for it to move away from people hiring people that look like, sound like, are like them in key ways. This is pretty natural tendency of most leaders to hire people that are like them, to hire people that think like them. We, you know, the assumption is that that'll make things easier. If you'll get along with this person, you can get more done. What you end up having is a room full of yes men or yes women, and that really doesn't do you much good. So we're going to take a short break and come back and talk about some of the ways that you can avoid falling into that trap, some of the ways that you can be a better leader, better coworker in working with diverse organizations, diverse teams. So we will be back in just a few minutes. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you feel overwhelmed by money? Not how much you have, but how to talk about it? We face financial decisions every single day that can change the game for us. Listen for Making Money Fun with Shanna Tinjum. You'll learn more about what you can do with your money and ultimately what it can do for you. Don't cower under a rock about investing in personal finance. Talk about it with your family, your friends, and more. Listen every Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we're talking about an important part of being a good leader, being able to lead a diverse team, being able to interact with diverse individuals, and being aware of our tendency to hire and or want to work with perhaps people that are like us in some way. Now, diversity is a very big term, and most of the time people think of it in terms of ethnicity, skin color, maybe even origin or where someone is from. There's a lot of other types of diversity and a lot of other ways that diversity gets in our way. And in fact, I think perhaps some of these get in the way even more often because perhaps they're a little bit more covert. So thinking about gender, religion, national origin, which we talked about, age, which is a big one. We'll talk more about that today. Physical and cognitive capabilities. So are you in a wheelchair? Are you have a, do you work with, have walk with a cane? Sexual orientation, of course, is a big one these days, especially in the U.S. And all of the different ways that people might be different than us. And all of the different types of diversity that we can have within a team, socioeconomic status, um, that's a big one for the company I was talking about earlier who's struggling with diversity. If you tend to have a lot of rich kids coming into your company and hiring kids right out of school, they're going to seem to all think alike, even if they have some other diverse areas from culture or, or gender or even ethnicity. So the idea of diversity is a challenging topic for most people. And I held a session this weekend for a different group and we were talking about diversity. And I had them be mean on purpose about another age group. It's a little easier, a little safer perhaps than some of the other ways we can think about diversity. So their task was to brainstorm all of the reasons that they've heard or that they see in the media or whatever it might be that someone would not want to hire a millennial. And I must read too many articles because I see them all the time, all the reasons that it, millennials are horrible horrible employees, right? They're, they're entitled, they are not loyal, they don't want to work normal hours, they want flexibility, whatever it is. And of course, that's not true about everyone and that's not necessarily what any of us think. And it's helpful to think about what those fears are or what those biases are that people might be harboring. Same thing they had to do about Generation X, which was a little harder just because nobody ever talks about Gen X. And then they had to do it for baby boomers, 50 plus, 55 plus. Of course, you can think of the reasons that 
you might hear people say they don't want to hire that age group because they're on their way out, they're going to retire, they don't have as much energy, they want to vacation all the time, whatever it is. Again, true or not true. And the idea of this activity was to help individuals uncover their own implicit or unconscious bias. And implicit or unconscious bias are those things that affect our decisions and our way of thinking without us really knowing it or without us really thinking about it. So unconscious biases, attitudes, or stereotypes that affect understanding actions and decisions in an unconscious manner. And of course, these things are necessary in some way. They're not in a negative in and of themselves. We need to be able to think about a group of people as a group to simplify our thinking, to even create good things for them. We might think about them as a group, create a program or whatever it might be. And stereotypes date back to the caveman days when we had to quickly categorize a person or thing to survive. So we know that we have these biases. We know we have these stereotypes. And typically they come from ignorance. And I don't want you to have a negative connotation with that word. It's simply a lack of interaction, lack of understanding, lack of ability to really dig into the individual versus the group. Knowing that our understanding of the group is somewhat important, how do we get past that when we need to? So here are some examples of unconscious bias at work. It turns out that 30% of CEOs of American companies, 30% of CEOs of American companies are over six foot two. They're males, male CEOs, 30% of them are over six foot two. Only 3.9% of adult American men are that tall. So there's already some implicit strange bias that leaders tend to be moved up into leadership more quickly when they're tall. There is some kind of caveman belief left in our unconscious that men who are tall and strong make better leaders. That, of course, is ridiculous when we actually look at that assumption. But if we don't think about it, it it just turns out that that's the way it goes. Salaries of blonde women are 7% higher than those of women who are brunettes or redheads. Interesting, because you would almost think the opposite with all of the blonde jokes. But it turns out that that blondes do have more fun and they make more money 7% more. So when we think about unconscious bias, this is how it impacts us, that we we make decisions when we don't think about it or we consider that we make assumptions if we're not aware of what our unconscious bias is. Now, unconscious bias tends to fall in different different areas than we might think. We don't tend to have as many unconscious conscious biases about ethnicity, they tend to be most often around, well, skin color, gender, and age, of course, but then we have height and weight, 
especially weight in our in our uh, hyper diet culture introversion and extroversion so we tend to think that someone's not going to be a good leader if they're one or the other depending on what our bias is marital and parental status you've seen that made fun of in movies where men especially will get married so that they will be thought of more highly for a promotion parental status might be one way or the other a company discriminating against a a woman without again and this is an unconscious bias not promoting them because they have children or perhaps even the opposite if if the leadership believes that women should have children they might be discriminated against for the opposite reason ability and this is uh, very unconscious usually because we know that we should think of someone who's in a wheelchair or using a cane as equal to everyone else but a lot of us have a, a deep unconscious bias around some of those issues foreign accent so if you hear someone on the phone and you might hear older people in your family say this more often you know i couldn't even understand what they were saying and and there's a bias that that person is not intelligent because you couldn't understand what they're saying where someone attended college so in certain areas of the country certain colleges mean more than others is that true hobbies or extracurricular extracurricular activities maybe somewhere so those were some of the areas identified by a, Sh a sherm article as where we have that unconscious bias the hard thing about unconscious bias is really the only way to stop yourself from doing that is to get real get real with yourself and be able to recognize that you have the bias this is not necessarily a bad thing if we can recognize it and it doesn't mean that we're a bad person or that we're doing it on on purpose that's why it's unconscious they're created from decades and generations of programming within our family within our area of the country within our country around what we think of people who have these types of differences from us our people the people who are like us there is an implicit implicit bias test that you can take harvard implicit created or harvard sorry created an implicit bias test and they found that 75% of people have some kind of bias so chances are that you have some kind of bias and to be a good leader we want to know what those biases are this is why most companies when they have a leadership program a lot of the leadership program is focused on helping you introspect they're doing assessments around your work style your beliefs your leadership style your strengths because the more we get to know about ourselves the easier it will be for us to recognize when we have these biases and to operate consciously in making our decisions instead of letting these unconscious bias come in and mess around with how we're making our decisions so harvard has that implicit bias test 
And then there's also a website called understandingprejudice.org, understandingprejudice.org, and it has an implicit association test. So help you identify where you're associating good or bad with, and it looks at race and, and gender. So two big areas for us to look at. And, you know, politics aside, it is interesting to look at from a diversity lens, from a bias lens, the conversations and the different ways that things are happening with our political landscape, of course, being one of the first female presidential candidates from a major party and how that is being handled and and how it's kind of testing the gender bias of so many of our mainstream media and and even perhaps us ourselves, we're not used to thinking or talking about a female in that in that role and how that comes about and how it looks is quite interesting if you look at it from a diversity lens and put your politics aside. So we're gonna take a short break, come back and talk about how you can overcome this unconscious bias so that you can be more thoughtful, introspection, introspective, and, and deliberate in how you make your decisions as a leader and interact with your team. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Kless. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. 
If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. Today we're talking about diversity and really the importance of understanding our own biases or or perhaps even just blind spots when it comes to diversity and being able to work with others who come from diverse age groups, diverse gender, diverse backgrounds, uh, ethnicities, skin color, country of origin, whatever it might be. Our world is getting more and more diverse, but that doesn't mean that we necessarily have the skills to deal with that unless we think about some of these things. One of the perhaps lighthearted areas of diversity that often gets in people's way and and can be easily resolved is work style. And even when it comes to work style, we tend to have very, very big unconscious bias. So a few ways that this plays out. You have that person in your office who is just loves the task, right? Loves the task, loves the calendar, is a perfect project manager because they can track those tasks. They're always on top of it. They always have it done on time. And and that is very important to them. Then you have that person in your office who's always rushing to get things done, who's doing la- things at the last minute. And of course, the the name calling begins, right? You have the rush person calling the other person anal retentive, um, you know, overly structured, whatever it might be. And then that person is in turn calling your your rush at the last minute person a procrastinator, um, you know, that they're disorganized or perhaps that they're a perfectionist and that's why they never get anything done on time. And who is right in this situation? Well, really, no one. And it would probably depend on your bias as to which one you identify with and therefore think that that person is right and the other person is wrong, when the truth is that these are just different work styles and different ways of of organizing the world of work. The person who has a lot of structure actually gets creativity from that structure. The person who rushes at the last minute usually gets their best idea at the last minute. And if you tried to make them do it earlier or put them in a, a structure, too much of a structure, you would lose that opportunity to capture that creativity because that just isn't how their brain works. Whereas the person who is structured may seem like they're not being creative, but that structure actually does enhance their creativity the sparks start to fly, fireworks, whatever you want to call them, when you put these two people together to work together and they don't think about or are not prompted to think about how their different work styles are going to work together. Then you just have a big clash, a big fight around how 
one person is right and the other person is wrong and and nothing really gets gets done except for bickering about why their work styles don't work together. The same thing happens in different and, and per probably more covert ways when we look at the other aspects of diversity, whether it's age or ethnicity or country of origin, these people bring different mental models, as my friend John Stewart would say, they bring different mental models about how work should be done or whatever it might be. And when the other person doesn't work the way they think they should, you have the same sparks flying and, and total lack of productivity. If one person or, or perhaps best scenario, both people are aware of their bias then you can have a more productive conversation. If one person knows that they tend to work this way and that the other person tends to work the other way, they can work together to create a project schedule, a way of working together that works for both people versus one person being expected to bow down to the way the other person works. I think this is the most challenging for leaders today because the philosophy of work has changed a little bit. And, and again, you can think it's for the best or the worst. But the idea of, you know, my way or the highway is definitely not as popular as it used to be. I question if it was ever very effective because in my experience, very little, very, very few people operate well under my way or the highway kind of thinking, but it's definitely less popular than it used to be and less effective as a leadership strategy than it used to be. And so if we're not thinking as leaders about how to best work with our team members, if we're not consciously, conscious, consciously addressing their work style in some way, we're going to have lots of unproductivity because they're not just going to fall in line and do it the way we said to do it because that's the way we said to do it. And even if they do, it's not going to be as effective as if we gave them some flexibility to do it in a way that works for them. Other ways that we can think about diversity here and, and being successful in managing diversity or, or thinking about our biases is first to recognize where those biases are. So that might be some kind of assessments that you've done at work. Maybe you thought the Myers-Briggs type indicator or the DISC profile that you did a few years ago at work was a waste of time. But I would encourage you to go back and look at that and think about what does that say about how you approach work what does it say about how others in your office approach work? And how can you be more inclusive, more conscious of those different work styles when you go to work? Because you will be judged, whether you like it or not, by other people's mental models and if we're not aware of what those are and, and don't flex and, and ease their fears, we're going to be seen as an unproductive worker or a bad worker. 
So if you are, you know, a big picture person and your boss likes you to be in the details, if you can't figure out how to flex and work better in that way, you're going to have a hard time earning that promotion. One of the other ways we can think about our biases is who do we surround ourselves with and therefore in some ways who does that leave out? So this was a a CNN article talking about implicit bias and they have you think about your three best friends. So thinking about your three best friends and are they all similar in some way? Age, race, sex, if they are, and my guess is that there's some areas in which they're all the same, it's just gonna, it's gonna be the case, you most likely have an implicit bias against the other of whatever that is. So if all of your best friends are in your same age group, you probably have an implicit bias against the other age group. Again, this isn't a negative, it's, it's just the way it is. I was talking to this group on Saturday and someone said, well, but we live in an area where there aren't very many people from X, Y, or Z, aren't very many people who are Hispanic or black. Well, that's, that's the way it is. That's reality. And that doesn't take away the fact that you probably have an implicit bias against those people that you don't know much about because you don't know much about them. That's just the way it's going to work. So thinking about that, who do you associate with on a daily basis? Maybe if you're an engineer, you associate mostly with engineers. That'll mean that you have an implicit bias against salespeople, marketing people. If you're typically with engineers that have a degree, you might have a bias against people that don't or people that don't have a degree from a certain type of school or type of program. And just recognizing that is important. It doesn't make you a bad person. And if we try to sweep it under the rug with some of those excuses of, you know, well, there aren't that many of X, Y, or Z around, well, that's okay. It's, you're not a horrible person because you don't hang out with people who are X, Y, or Z. It's simply an understanding that because you do not, you will have some bias. And if we can recognize that and not be afraid to recognize that, we'll be a much better leader. The next question they had you ask yourself was, do we automatically exclude certain neighborhoods or places we might live or send our kids to school? So this is probably going to impact most people in socioeconomic status, right? You don't want your kids to go to school in a poor school area. You don't want your kids to go to school over here, over there because of X, because of Y. Those are implicit biases. And thinking about that, recognizing that can help us be better leaders. Would we only date a certain type or would we only think our kids should date a certain type? Or can we only visualize them dating a certain type? This may go back to the fact that there's limited diversity where you live or where your kids live. But again, it it indicates the opportunity for an implicit bias. Do you have a gay friend or a black doctor? When we think about those things, it's hard to say whether it's linked to a a hidden bias, but it may point out the fact that we only have 
one person in our life that is gay, black, from India, from Japan, whatever it is. And so we're going to have a bias there, perhaps more wrapped up in our relationship with that one person, good or bad, and want to be able to recognize that. So we've recognized our bias. We're thinking about all the different ways that we might be we harboring bias. We're going to come back here and finish up this show with some very practical, tactical ways to avoid biased behavior so that you can be a better leader, a better employee, better team member, and earn earn those promotions and grow in your career. So we'll be right back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Does your organization lack proper leadership? We're not necessarily talking about experience, but about how to face the changing dynamic of leadership today. Sometimes the people we lead know more, old ways don't work anymore, and the comfort zone just becomes too easy. Listen for Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. We'll show you how you can adapt and develop your leadership skills to today's workplace every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. This is Marie Zimanoff, your host. And today we've been talking about diversity, the importance of being able to recognize our bias so that we can be better leaders of diversity and and really be more effective working in teams, leading, leading them or otherwise. So we talked about the different types of diversity, different types of bias, and then 
kind of the hard work that we all have to do to uncover those areas of bias, to think about where we might be uncomfortable with people who are different than us, and to be aware of that as we're working with others, making decisions at work, especially if we're hiring or deciding who we're going to bring on our team to do something. So tips for avoiding biased behavior, and this is coming from that SHRM article, Increase purposeful mentoring and coaching. So sponsoring people who are not like you, mentoring people who are not like you, or seeking out mentors of of people who are not like you. And really taking the opportunity to get to know someone more in depth that might be different than you, that might be one of those areas where you struggle. So if you find yourself you know, continually buying into what's said about millennials, go out there and mentor someone who's a millennial and, and, and build that relationship and see who they are, what they, what they stand for. That may help break down some of those barriers that you have in your mind about who those people as a group are. Be proactive about recognizing people's different capabilities. So looking at the individual as an individual getting past the, the stereotype useful and, and powerful as it may be in its own way, getting past that and really recognizing the individual for their capabilities. And if you can think about how you might grow those strengths, the power of, as you know, one of my favorite things is strengths. The power of knowing someone's strengths is that then we can use those and search out opportunities for them to use those strengths and really not focus in on what we might see as the weaknesses or the differences, especially because some of those weaknesses are going to be the problem, the brainchild of our bias, not reality. When almost whenever you think of someone and you think of their weakness, there's most likely a a hidden bias wrapped into that weakness. So if we can focus on their strengths and help them build that their strengths, we can avoid some of that. Consistently seek out those people that seem like outsiders or the people who are new and take steps to address the situation. So the presentation I was doing this last weekend on diversity was for a membership organization who's trying to increase members. And boy, one of your biggest issues with getting diversity in in membership or even in, in hiring is that if you have an individual who you're trying to recruit and there's no one that looks like them on the team, you have to go above and beyond to help them feel included. My diversity work started way back when I worked at Colorado State in their engineering. And as you can imagine, not very many females or people from different ethnicities are are, rec, um, are represented in engineering. And, and that was part of the challenge, was helping find people from the beginning to help these people who are coming make feel welcome even though there weren't people there that looked like them. So our first African-American student, graduate student, or at least the first one in in years when I had been there, it was a challenge to get past the implicit bias that 
some of the individuals held and it was a it was a challenge to help that person feel like they belonged on on campus when the campus didn't have a very high diversity and the department had very low diversity establishing measurable interview criteria so if you find yourself talking about quote unquote fit define that further what do you mean by that because when you leave it too open-ended what it will start to look like is people who look like you get more specific around if you are selecting people for positions or projects what do you mean by fit how can you make that criteria more specific Set reasonable parameters around the nature and amount of help you will offer to special connections. So obviously we don't want anyone thinking that we're playing favorites or trying to recruit someone who looks like X, Y, or Z above any other criteria. Those things make everyone mad and can degrade the try what we're trying to do. Attending professional affinity group meetings and inclusiveness events to really understand diversity. So don't shy away from those opportunities to talk about diversity. Don't think that you've got it all figured out. You know, the whole adage of I don't see color really gets in the way of recognizing our implicit bias. You're sweeping it under the rug when you say things like that. We know what you really mean to say and the intent behind it can be good. And yet we really want to make sure that we're not using that as a veil to not explore our hidden biases. And if you go to one of those affinity groups, you know, tell people that you're looking to be a better ally. If you're white and you walk into the Hispanic Employee Association or whatever it might be, they will welcome that, that you want to be a better ally. You want to be able to understand how to be a better ally. Evaluate your actions. So introspection, why do you make the decisions you make? Why do you think the things you think about people? Are there biases that are driving those decisions? Being aware of them can help you smoke them out. Seek out regular feedback. So be open to feedback from others, especially those whom you work with around how your interactions with different groups may or may not be effective. So as we're thinking about diversity and how to work better with diverse groups, this is a challenging area because it requires us to let go of the perfectionist ideals, to let go of the niceties, and to really, even if it's just within ourselves, which is the best place for it, understand where our biases are and acknowledge them, not be afraid of them or run away from it, acknowledge it and challenge ourselves to think differently, to learn more about the other group, to continue to be open-minded and let, let that person be a person first and an individual first and learn about them. And really that takes more time than we like to do sometimes to really get to know an individual and judge them based on their individual achievements, skills, qualifications, experience, rather than by where they went to school, 
what age they are, what sex they are, where they grew up, how much money they have, and all of those other things that work their way into our decision-making in an unconscious manner. We are going to be back again next week here on The Career Confidant, as always, covering another great topic to improve your leadership or work skills so that you can improve yourself. If you have any questions for us, you can always reach out to me at Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at astrategicadvantage.com. And if you're a career professional who's interested in coming on to the show, you can also always reach out to me at Marie at careerthoughtleaders.com or Marie at astrategicadvantage.com. And happy to share with you our process for getting folks on the show to share their expertise with our listeners. So we will be right back here again next week for the Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.